Hello and welcome to episode one of the Show Me Potato Salad podcast. This show is brought to you by Clinkstone Brewery. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan JJ Layden. With me today, we have Callum Loopy Smith. How are we doing? We also have Ewan Junior Smith. Morning. And last, but certainly not least, we have Keith, no nickname Riddick. Happening. <laughs> yeah. Just to give you all an idea of what to expect from the pod, from next week onwards, we'll be covering current events and topics of interest, followed by a guest interview, rounded off with our saucy segment. We have a back for a show for you all today, including our first guest and close friend, Andy Murphy, assistant strength and conditioning coach for Edinburgh Rugby. And we'll be rounding off the show with our salad dressings, which is our feature covering our game, film, TV series and restaurant of the week. We made it, boys. Episode one, we are here. Finally. We are. We did it, boys. (laughs) It's only taken us several weeks to get organized and everything, but <laughs> but we're here. We're there's here. Lot, there's a lot of going ons behind the scenes yeah. to this point, but we've yeah, we've made it. I think I think before we move on a little bit further, we'll we'll give our uh, good friend Robbie Wild Goose Goose a mention, the Sunday Robcast, you know, I think him starting his own podcast the other month kind of just showed us it's a lot easier to do and it's a lot more accessible than what a lot of people think um so yeah cheers for that goose yeah, yeah cheers, de- goose. definitely i think because we we'd somewhat hummed and hayed about we dabbled hadn't we dabbled and we'd said oh could we do it mm, i don't know how how easy is it to do and then we'd obviously seen our boy just jump on that train and you go oh oh yeah, hold on a second this is just dive straight in yeah he dives straight in you gotta give him props for that That's so fair enough to him like yeah so, so yeah here we are <laughs> oh, honestly boys what a bloody weekend like went went to go and sit and chill yesterday and uh gets a shout oh there's some water in the kitchen cupboard <laughs> so obviously oh, no. i've got to be the one that's got to go in and look for it in hours and hours and hours rip the bathroom to pieces put a hole in the <laughs> wall to find it for it to be a bloody pipe in the loft just an absolute shitter so <laughs> tell you if, if this week's anything by my weekend i'm not looking forward to it so <laughs> and, uh, speaking of uh speaking of shitters jordan you've had a bit of a had a bit of an eventful day <laughs> incident today <laughs> well yeah we uh oh so a sunday is penelope's birthday and well we we bath her twice a week not just once. We don't leave her minging for the whole week. <laughs> but, but no. So we, we decided, right, we'll go and we'll go and bath her. Usual routine, everything going swimmingly. Literally. And then, yeah, literally. <laughs> and something Penel- swam. Penelope just went kind of quiet in the bath. She goes and squats down. <laughs> and then the scene from bridesmaids just starts coming into my head as she squats and she, oh, she, she's really doing it she's, she's really doing it shitting in the bath <laughs> swiftly moving on to kevin and petty go large it's a float <laughs> well, what, what made it even worse is it obviously took a second to realize that's what was happening to the point where she's like picking out her own shit and like, like picking it up and she's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> to fling it. 
In you fairness, whether I laugh or cry in that moment. <laughs> in fairness, it's the cleanest she's ever been after a shit. So. <laughs> but no, I, I, I got the easy job and I just had to clean up Penelope and Jude was left fishing out shit in the barn. <laughs> teamwork. Great current, teamwork. Currently disinfecting all the time. <laughs> teamwork makes a dream work. So, exactly. So that's, <laughs> that's been my weekend. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of teamwork, uh, we had a pretty good uh, pretty good bit of teamwork from the Scotland international rugby team this weekend. Uh, first uh, first win in Twickenham. I mean, was it thirty eight years, lads? Thirty eight yeah, years. Yeah, that's uh, some performance that was. And that's and what's even funnier is Loopy puts on England <laughs> and his coupons. And it's, and it's Much the first time Scotland win in thirty eight years. That's that's what you get. I might that's start doing it more often. That's, that's probably why you had a leaky pipe. Yeah, exactly. The weather knew. The weather knew you'd done them a dirty one. And uh, here's a leaky pipe. You're looking in the cupboards and under the bath. Uh, but no, it was uh, a solid game. Uh, did any of you boys catch catch any of it? Seen some of the highlights, but I didn't watch the full game. I didn't. I was fixing a bloody leaky pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I... think. Uh, I caught the uh, I think I, I caught the second half. It was just just at that point where uh, there were a man down. Mm. I think, and it was that kind of way. I was like, "Oh, here we go. This is like Scotland, typical Scotland fashion. You get in the lead, and then shit the bed. some yeah, yeah shit a couple the bed, of silly mistakes, like, and away you go. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, here we go." But not the the nah, pros. Through. Through. Well, it's, through all that with them having the man down, they kept possession the whole time. Yeah, I, I was, was, say, it was super about impressed. First half, I think the stats were about seventy percent possession, which against England, being the team they are, is that's a strong, phenomenal, such a strong performance. What's well, it? It's not like it's a crappy England team; it's a strong, strong oh, England team. I mean, they were going full barrels. Like the, I mean, yeah. even their subs coming on were just you know huge names in rugby were coming on and playing for them, but the boys held them off. Was well, the the defense for me not knowing rugby much, a huge huge amount? Mm. Like England just didn't look like they penetrated the Scotland half at all. No, they were big. Like, Scotland, Scotland defence was solid, absolutely yeah, was solid. Solid. Few, uh, few strong performances from uh, from a few of the guys as well. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the guys that are uh, playing for Edinburgh Rugby um, and coached by, our, well, strength and conditioning coached by our good friend. Yeah, I think I think his boys done well, and that moves yeah. us moves us nicely and swiftly on our guest for the episode. It's our boy Andy Murphy. This interview is sponsored by Ice Sports Caledonia, the exclusive importers of Fisher ice hockey equipment for the north of Scotland. Check them out on Facebook at Ice Sports Caledonia with their web shop coming soon. Enjoy the interview. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Diving into the salad bowl with us today, we have Andy Murphy, former Scotland international, Paisley Pirate and Aberdeen Lynx ice hockey powerhouse. Glorified personal trainer, assistant strength and conditioning coach for Edinburgh Rugby, ex-tantastic bodybuilder and number one fan of the Insanity Workout. Welcome to the first ever Show Me Potato Salad podcast, Andy. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, hey. How are we doing? How are we, Andy? How are we? Can we clarify, never done an insanity workout in my life. <laughs> Man, you love a bit of Sean T. Absolutely not. <laughs> I heard that's your go-to, Andy. That's your go-to. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, if you want to waste money, I heard that's the number one go-to when there's an underperformance on the pitch by Edmund Rugby is just stick Sean T on the telly in the changing rooms and have at it. Oh my God. And one. And two. Is that easy and three. That right now? <laughs> Got them all in the keto as well, I've heard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying nothing about that. <laughs> I told you Keto's was a bad subject. <laughs> Keto, Keto, worst, no, worst subject and worst diet going. <laughs> there, there is some there is some extreme diets that go on. I wouldn't say extreme diets in the club that go on, but one thing I have noticed is the big boys are big in the club and uh, the food that they get given is um, sometimes drastically drastically smaller than other meals that players get so there'll be two or three weeks if boys are tipping scales pretty heavy they'll be they'll be pretty restricted for two or three weeks but yeah, it doesn't take them long to get back in shape knowing that their pre-bed snack uh, usually would be some sort of cereal protein yogurt so shakes and stuff is restricted to then a glass of water with a slice of lime that's, that's I think uh, I think I need to go on the Edinburgh rugby diet. Uh, <laughs> I used to go on a fucking diet. <laughs> <laughs> so do their diets? Do they all get pre like pre done for them? Is it like so? It's basically like they show up, play rugby, and everything gets taken on for them. Um, not not religiously, no, not to that level. You got like the boys. They're still most of them are still young lads. A lot of them have got families. They're married. They don't have sex strict diets, but yeah, we we recently had um, at work. I'm sure they won't mind saying it, we had a fat group put out on uh, Boxing Day on WhatsApp. <laughs> a few boys, um, while they were enjoying the little day off, were added into a WhatsApp group and told they're going to be on pretty pretty limited dieted uh, diets for for two weeks to try and shred off a few kilos. And on the on the flip side to that, we had a we had a skinny boys group where a few boys got flipped into a WhatsApp group where they have to post every single meal that they eat. Um, yeah, and the skinny boys got basically 10 meals, well, not, not 10 meals a day, but let's say six fairly sized meals a day. And the skinny boys got three meals, no carbs, or limited carbs, and a glass of water before bed. And was that, uh, was that position dependent then? Like, obviously, you've got you know, some of the, some positions you're going to want a bit more of a weighty man there, and, and other positions you're going to want someone who's a bit more slight. Was that sort of dependent on that, or was everyone had a specific thing they had to hit? Yeah, no one really had anything that they had to specifically hit. It was more just a case of getting some boys in shape that were kind of tipping the scales the wrong way. Um, it definitely, surely wasn't position dependent. We've got a few, we've got a few bigger backs that um, needed to get a couple of kilos off. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time for them. Um, it's not, not really what you want straight after Christmas, is it? <laughs> no, absolutely, not. absolutely not. Or maybe it's exactly what you need straight after Christmas, but it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't long getting them back into shape, put it that way. Andy, so do you actually have, is there like an optimal kind of weight for all these certain guys in certain positions? Like what, how's like you're saying they need to lose a few. How do you work that out? I mean, you can tell, like, every every player has their body composition measured. So we do skin folds. So we measure the, the subcutaneous fat, so the fat under the skin. Um, 
and it's not that we have we we have ranges for players that we well we know that they play their best rugby in. So for instance, we've got a back row um, big Fijian. Uh, he can he can fluctuate in his weight up to five kilos every other week. Um, it's easy for him to put on weight and it's easy for him to lose weight. It's just his genetics and a few, couple of other Fijians are like that in the squad. But um, the staff know that he plays his best rugby at 118 kilos. So we, we know that he can be as dynamic as he is round about that weight. So we know if he's around 118, 120, he's, he's going to do some damage on the pitch. Oh, Same with the other big boys. We, we, don't, we don't necessarily want them to be at certain weights, but we know at certain weights how they play. And we know that rugby is a game now where everyone needs to be dynamic. It's not a case of we've got big lads that just trot around. We've got big lads <laughs> that do damage. Can run. <laughs> yeah, we've got yeah. Big, big lads that can run and that can hit hard. Um, so, yeah, it's more a case of understanding where those boys need to be for for the for the way they play more than anything else. Sorry, I'm just pouring a wee raffle. I'm a wee raffle. We're on the Roman apple, boys. We're on the Roman apples. For sure, nerves. Got me done. Got me done. There's there's Andy. See, certain conditioning coaches on the wine. Heard it here first. We're a we're a loud wine. Exactly, a loud wine. Wine is very much acceptable on this show. Fruit, is it? Fruit? It's got to be. <laughs> one of your, your five a day. That's why I get apple juice. <laughs> so during your your sort of uh, like obviously you started with with Edinburgh Rugby just the start of the season, wasn't it? And, and obviously it's probably a, a, like a, a completely different environment to normally how how rugby would be being played or like coaching would be happening and, and these sorts of things. How is sort of like starting your kind of role during the pandemic? Like, have you found it's been a different experience to what you maybe had because you did a bit of coaching with uh, the women's uh, Scotland Six Nations team as well, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I did, I did a bit with yeah. the women. Uh, my previous role was in the academy, mm-hmm. um, so I've always been in and around Scottish rugby. But yeah, this has been my first experience within a within a fully professional environment. And mm-hmm. yeah, joining during a, a global pandemic, it's it's been it's been. I don't. To be fair, I would say different, but I, I don't have a previous. Um, so it's hard, true, to kind of, yeah. it's hard to kind of place it. Mm-hmm. Um, like you hear stories of the way things, I say, used to be run or were being run before, um, and it's it's tough. It's tough to compare because I don't know any different. Um, but yeah, we we don't. We're not allowed in offices, so I currently have a desk set up in the gym with the other staff. Um, we they used to get breakfast every morning, which they no longer get because they can't eat in like confined spaces, which Breakfast and lunch every day would be ace, isn't it? Yeah. Like you walk yeah, into nice work that. every day. You know, <laughs> that's, the, that's the dream. Breakfast is waiting for you. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, it used to be a bit more, a bit more, I don't know, it's, I don't want to say work friendly, but. Well, I suppose more relaxed probably would be the, the, the yeah. way of it, which more, I suppose yeah. the, the whole world sort of was really before all this kind of happened, wasn't it? You know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone, when I worked, when I first, the first couple of weeks I went, everyone's walking around in masks, all the players, all the staff. Um, like you can't really introduce yourself to anyone. You can't you can't go and have a proper conversation with anyone because one, it's tough to 
realise yeah. if you've actually introduced <laughs> yourself to anyone before because they're wearing a mask and you think, did I see you yesterday? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's tough and everyone's all spaced out and yeah. That's the thing, without any, like, it's no fault of anyone's, but it's almost quite hostile, I would imagine, like, because everyone is spaced out and you can't yeah, be... standoffish. You're, you can't be direct, you can't be, like, close to people showing them... Yeah, exactly, like... And, Usually, one thing I notice, like when you in a rugby environment, everyone's shaking hands, everyone's everyone's polite, everyone's um, just such a well mannered sport. Yeah, well, when you when you when you first join, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that manner after a while, but yeah, everyone's used to shaking hands, introducing themselves, and uh, you get in there and you can't shake anyone's hand, you can't go up and say hi. Like it took me, I think it took me four days until I introduced myself to the head coach. Um, really? that, yeah that's that's the man who does it, the man calling all the shots and I was just kind of in the background hanging around with S&C staff um, saying hello to the odd player here and there but yeah it was completely completely different as to where like before you could walk into breakfast and you could walk around and say hi to a table or meet a group of boys that are sitting chatting and just kind of jump in so mm-hmm. yeah com- completely different so how does that change with how you train then so like obviously like rugby is a pretty, it's a pretty hands-on sport. It's a fairly close contact sport as well. But obviously, in the in the in the workout aspect, like obviously, that could obviously be individualized. Like, do you find that the training techniques and stuff like that have kind of changed and stuff? Uh, I would say when I first joined. So I joined middle of August, uh, and the boys actually they started their preseason. They started their twenty twenty. Well, actually, finished the twenty nineteen. Started the twenty twenty season, or training for those games in July. So they had a bit of a mini preseason. So they were already up and going before I'd, I'd came in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't see it when it was really strict. Um, before I came in in July, it was all socially distanced training. S&C staff were telling me that it was eight to nine hours on, on pitch, on feet as a coach with just rotating groups of players, groups of five or six players, each having an individual lane coned out up the pitch where they would literally just come in and they would do straight line running. Wow. They couldn't touch a rugby ball. They couldn't well I'm I'm sure there was mass on and talking as they were jogging beside each other, but yeah, they couldn't pass a ball to each other. They were just straight line running up and down the pitch and the staff were just eight, nine, ten hours on feet as groups came through. But by the time I'd came in, but there was there was full training sessions happening. It was still uh, more non contact than anything else. Uh, the gym, the full, the full Murrayfield gym, uh, which is a fairly sizable piece of kit, was shifted outside. So wow. if you go to Murrayfield and you walk around the outside of the stadium, there's like an overhang. All mm-hmm. the gyms were set up in bays um, under the overhang. So, I mean, it, it was okay in July and August. I mean, September, October, it started to get pretty grim. But oh, that's, <laughs> that's when it <laughs> ease off and we were kind of allowed back inside. But yeah, everyone everyone was kind of split into their groups um, for for gym, and then yeah, rugby rugby was kind of more or less back to normal. Like I say, when I came in, mm-hmm. uh, we get tested every week, so we get tested on a Monday, um, so that kind of gives us the all clear to go full contact later in the week because yeah. we know everyone's yeah. clear. Um, if we're traveling, uh, so the boys went to Italy last week. Um, I didn't go because I was moving flat. They got tested Monday and Thursday, and if you had a COVID test, it's not pleasant. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not a fun experience not to be doing it on a weekly basis anyway, no, that's for sure. once was bad <laughs> like, the, the once off is pretty good when uh, but apart from that no every week no thank you the once no. off is pretty good I wouldn't have said good well not good I wouldn't say very good yeah that one, that one time was I was hooked absolutely hooked straight on the COVID test excuse <laughs> yeah. me the COVID test <laughs> no I mean yeah it's uh yeah, joining during pandemic, it's been it's been a it's been a different experience. But <clears throat> yeah, we're more or less full training now. Um, well, we're in full swing of games, aren't we? Nice. nice. So are you guys midway midway through your season just now? Uh, we've only got six Pro Fourteen games left. Wow. Six. Pro What's the schedule? Every is it every couple of weeks? Is that right? Like like every two weeks. Should be, it should be every week. <clears throat> should be every week. Um, but the way the schedule's been, with games getting cancelled. Um, here and there just because of travel restrictions and some teams popping up with positive tests here and there a lot of games have been rescheduled um, so I've got these six coming into this week um, starting Friday we've got six games on the bounce I think yeah. something like and that and we've got to reschedule the European Champions Cup um, which is quite a good experience I mean I think we'll go to France hopefully if all things ease out uh, down to England and then there's, there's talks of this Rainbow Cup um, where we get to play the new South African teams that are coming into the league next season. Oh, cool. So all things going smooth, that could be could be good, could be a good trip. And you find that the obviously Six Nations starting up this weekend. Obviously, it's probably obviously everyone listening. know this is recorded before the first games of the Six Nations. But uh, does that then does that interfere with the, the fixtures, or do you like? Is it just the fact that you're then just missing all those players that are selected? Because obviously Edinburgh's got quite a quite a number of boys that have been taking it the squads and stuff like does that is it just like you guys just go ahead without your you know some of your big names that are then obviously on international duties or is there a little bit of leeway in how the fixtures work because obviously there's a lot of clubs will be in the same position yeah well that's that's exactly the case a lot of the clubs are in the same position so the league just mm-hmm. league just goes ahead as normal right um it's one of those things if, if you don't pay too much attention to rugby everyone watches the internationals and then pro 14 just kind of takes away in the background but mm-hmm. Yeah, every team's in the same situation. I think when the boys were away for Autumn, uh, Autumn Internationals, we had close to 20 players missing. And these are obviously 20 of your international test players. So the 20 of your, 20 of your main That's squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, um, but a lot of people don't realise rugby squads are fairly big. Um, I think football, well, Jordan, you know, how, how many players are in a, in a football squad, like, say, in an Aberdeen squad? Yeah, you're talking like these like Aberdeen squads, you're talking probably nearly 30 players in Yeah, we've in got a, in a squad. We've got sixty-six. We've got wow. 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 Yeah. I didn't actually realise there was that many. Yeah, yeah that's insane. You've got your work cut out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder it was eight, nine hours on foot. Like I get three sixty-six yeah, exactly. boys. <laughs> yeah, so we have got that's why we need so much staff. I mean, there's there's four of us and uh Four, four SNC staff and four, uh, sorry, two interns um, to cover the workload. But yeah, we, we've got 66 players. So a lot, the the squad, we've got a lot of boys that are kind of ready just to take that step into the main squad when called upon. So it's it's not too much of an impact. Obviously, you have those, you have those star players um, that you do miss out on. But yeah, we, we've, we've got a good group that it's not much of a, 
it's not much of a phase when these boys leave. We, we've got boys that can step into that squad and do a job. How does it work from a training aspect then? Obviously, 66, 66 members of the squad, like with regards to workouts and stuff, do they all, all have like individualized workouts or is there like kind of rough frameworks for like forwards, backs, um, you know, and they kind of follow a rough thing and then it's it's slightly individualized or is like the whole thing individualized like per, per every single player? So I should, I should say 15 of those boys are what's called academy pros. So the boys that are like 18 to 19, they've left school. They will be professional rugby players in the future, but they're just maybe they're not they're not full squad players yet. So they're on what's called academy pro contracts. Right. Um, so they can uh, they they are involved in all the first team training. Um, but I think usually, like I said, I don't really have a reference. But usually in previous years, I think they would kind of have some separate sessions here or there because they, they still go to uni and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of the boys in the main squad are actually still doing uni courses, which I found quite interesting. Um, in terms of the gym, uh, no, we, we you can't individualise for 66 players. Yeah, um, yeah. Every- <laughs> yeah, it'd be some undertaking. Hey? I mean, you'd probably have to have about yeah. 17 different strength and conditioning coaches to try and get through everybody. We, we have... We have um, Five, five groups that the boys get split into um, in terms of the gym programming and what they do uh, what they do with their training and their top-ups. So we have group one is the as our main strength group. So boys that need to get um, stronger. Um, yeah. have group two with boys that need to get bigger. Um, we have group three, which is boys that need to get faster. This is just a brief, quick overview. We have group four, um, which is injured boys and kind of special players, quotation special needs players, like boys that have had multiple shoulder ops and hip injuries and things like that. They need a bit of special care and attention. We've got a we've got a rehab specialist that looks after those guys. Luke Vella, he's fantastic at his job. Does a great job of looking after those boys. And we've got the Fijians. The freaks of nature. You laugh. Well, but that's, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's who's, a good game playing weight is 120 kilograms for a back. That's a like, I mean, no, he's he's not, he's not a back, he's a back row. Oh, he's a back row. I thought you said for a back, and I was like, it probably wouldn't have surprised you actually with the Fijian rugby team. Like, I mean, you look at some of those guys and they are all humongous. I had the exact same reaction as you boys when I first stepped in. I was like, you can't be serious. Why are the Fijians in their own group? Like, yeah. they're just humans, but they're not. They're they are superhumans. They are. They are <laughs> literally. I mean, you watch them in the autumn tests and stuff, and these guys, like even their backs, like some of them were just humongous guys and so quick. Like yeah. they're just absolute freaks of nature. Like they're they're just athletic machines. We 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 currently have uh, a young Fijian. Mezu Kunavula, he was, he's 106 kilos, he's six foot five, and he's 100 kilos of lean body mass. Jesus. <laughs> yep. Um, so there's only, there's what, six kilos, is it? <laughs> and, and like, not even all of that's fat, you get like water fluid. Um, yeah, we've, got a Roni, we've got a Roni Sow, aka the Sledgehammer. <laughs> he's a winger, he's a winger, so he's a back, he's 104 kilos. How do you guys nickname the Sledgehammer? He, he kills people. Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> like, Nobody else. Could you, 
Could you imagine? I thought you'd seen him in the shower. Could you imagine that, like, being your opposite number on the rugby pitch, though? This guy hurtling at you at an unbelievable pace. And he's just so big. Mate, it's it's unbelievable. Like, his gym sessions are what bikes? Because if he lifts too much, like, his gym session will be literally sitting on a bike because if he lifts too much, he'll get too big. (laughs) He He could lift. He could. I've watched the Fijian strength. It takes, they put it. They put in minimal amounts of effort, and they get told they're doing too much. Because it, and if <laughs> they do that. too much, they'll get too big, and then they won't be they won't be dynamic enough to play the the way that yeah. they play with their offloads and their running lines. Well, that's There's so that's many what I was saying. That's awesome. <laughs> I I would love to be Fijian. Like honestly, like, it'd be incredible. I mean, you, you see them though, and you say they were dynamic. Like that that is literally like Fijian rugby, isn't it? Like unbelievable. You, they've got backs built like front rows. And they're so quick, so agile on their feet, and they've got front rows that are like backs. Like they're just, they're just incredible to watch playing rugby. Like that autumn test when they were playing against Georgia was just some phenomenal rugby on display. Like they're incredible. Yeah, they grew up playing that style of rugby. Yeah, that style of rugby. Yeah. It's they're, like so fluid yeah. and so like quick paced offloads, like running balls. Like it's just it's phenomenal rugby to watch. They're a very very athletic population. Yeah, yeah. I used to work alongside a guy at one of my last companies. I think he was from New Zealand. And he actually, um, I think his dad's German, so he plays for the German rugby team. And the, like food-wise, the amount of food that he used to sit and put away during a working day, like I'd be sitting there having like a chicken sandwich and this guy's hammering three in like... caramel slices. <laughs> and three caramel slices. And this guy's honestly hammering in like a portion for four or five people of rice and chicken. And some of the weights he was lifting, like there was stuff like where it would be like, we're in the stores and it would be like me and two other guys lifting this compressor to like move it about. And he's lifting it up by himself, just bear hugging it and just casually walking it about. They're just, they're just free. <laughs> they're just absolutely <laughs> unreal. Yeah. Mate, it makes me so jealous. Yeah. Oh, same. <laughs> like Andy same. saying that as well. Like same. I remember being at the, the, well, the, the sevens tournament that was held down at Scottsdale when I was at uni and, like the seven teams were walking by and like I'm sure Fiji were there and they were just like they just walked past you and you're like like I'm six foot one I'm not exactly a small person like I'm not muscular but I'm not a small person and I felt so small like you're honest so so small yeah <laughs> I, I'm gonna be honest like but these guys they're just uh, insane I tell you what that that's a huge realization when you move into a pro team as well no. like obviously worked in the academy for a good few years and it's all well and good. You see, you see like big 17 year olds, big 18 year olds, but you don't understand the full effect of how big these boys are going to be until you move into the pro, the mm. pro environment. And I'm, well, I'm, I'm 5'10", 5'10 and a half. Right? <laughs> the half, the half, half counts, the half counts. The half counts. The half me, you the half fucking counts. asshole. I'm 5'8". Yeah, 5'10 yeah, and a half, mate. You take that. 5'8". <laughs> Okay, yeah. five, eight. Mate, these boys, these boys are walking around. Some, some six foot six, and it's fucking and, nuts, isn't it? Just fucking. But they're just they're it. athletic as well, and you're like, yeah. oh. Like, I think that's I the, that's the big clincher, isn't it? Is that uh, sorry, John? Like these guys, they're so big, but they're also so athletic. Yeah. Like they can move, they can run, they they can they can head at pace. Like they can, you know, it's it's incredible. This insane athletes. Oh, absolutely. And I remember when I was younger, I went to it was this, so this is just a football game, and I remember going to see 
So it was an Arsenal Celtic game. It was a pre-season friendly. Nothing, nothing much to it. But this was when like some Vieira and Henri were with Arsenal. Mm. And I remember we weren't far from the tunnel. And I remember just those guys coming out. And I was like, holy shit. Like these guys were like like proper 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 athletes. You don't realize like you see them on TV every week. Like you're, you're saying you, you see them on TV and you go, oh yeah, they look like big guys. But when you actually see some of these people, yeah, you don't realize how big some people you see them. I remember being in, in a like a nightclub in Glasgow and a couple of the Scotland boys were in and um Richie Gray was in. And he was literally like he was crouched over and his head was pressed against the ceiling, like in, in this club. And like Max Evans was standing at the bar, and like Max Evans, like he's a back, like you normally see backs and you think, Oh, they're maybe like they, they look they're the you know, they're the slim athletic guys in the rugby team. And this guy was absolutely massive. Yeah. Like yeah. he was he wasn't hugely tall, but he was just an absolute unit of a man. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's uh our backs are, yeah, we've got, we've got some backs, a decent number of backs over 100 kilos, over yeah. six foot two, six foot three. Well, you've got that uh, Van der Merwe, don't you? He's a, he's a back and he's Ouch. he's an absolute unit. He's been Ouch. so good in his last couple of games as well because he's uh, he's due to start this weekend, isn't he? Starting tomorrow against England. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm excited to see how he plays against them, actually, because uh, someone he's, done he's their research. I like my rugby. I like my rugby, and I, like when he comes on, like, he's an absolute firecracker on the pitch. Like he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's one of those boys that has that X factor that you can go right. Yeah. Like, and and in fairness, you, there's a couple that are playing for Edinburgh, obviously like um, Jamie Ritchie and stuff like that. Obviously, he's he's vice captain in at the weekend. He's incredible. Hamish Watson as well. Like he's like two two like big names in the Scotland squad as well. Like there's some there's some huge names going through obviously Edinburgh rugby. Yeah, I think Edinburgh have done a really good job over the last couple of years and building building the squad that that the head coach Richard Cockrell Cockers wants to have. And the boys have bought into what what he's doing with the squad. And mm-hmm. Fuck, like we had a bit of a run, a, a bit of a dip at the start of the year. But like last year, obviously I wasn't there. But the record speaks for itself. Getting to semi finals and getting themselves into Champions Cup. Um, mm-hmm. Like yeah, fuck, mate. The boys, yeah. the boys have bought in. It's 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 a great environment to be around. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, they put in a shift and. It gets tough at times on them. Like cockers can cockers can be tough, but yeah, mm-hmm. mate, they put in a grind and they fuck, they go hard week in yeah. and week out. Tough I mean, a lot of us. I mean, a lot of us think our jobs are hard, but uh, I don't think I'd enjoy getting absolutely annihilated so by these guys <laughs> like week in week out by these guys. Like, I mean, yeah, fair enough. Like that's. I mean, they're definitely earning a wage doing that, aren't they? Yeah, boys. Well, we mate, we've all, we've all played contact sport, haven't we? Mm. You know what I mean. We we know what it's like to take a big hit. We know what it's like to take a big boom. Yeah, but but not against a hundred and twenty kilogram Fijian. Oh, he's well, running at full well, pelt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so let me tell you about this. If I like one, I just I just had Junior say, "If you like one of them, hit you." My <laughs> my role on match days is to take subs warm ups. <laughs> yeah. Do you hold the dummy for them? Do you hold the big, the big pack? Hold the bag. Yeah, Andy, Andy gets bent over. <laughs> no lube. 
<laughs> I hope sandpaper finish, mate. <laughs> Hold like, on, boys, we're going in dry. You know, it's yeah, like, I've, I've done it before. Like you do, you do matches and stuff in the academy for the age grade games, and you do these subs warm ups and the women's stuff, and you, you let them hit you, and it's fine, and you, like it is what it is, and like you're used to taking contact, playing in a contact sport, but when you're playing against boys that are relatively what 80 90 kilos at, at hockey and we move quick but we're, we're not we're not too big lads are we you know what i mean speak for uh, yourself so before before these boys on go on pitch like i'm responsible for making sure they're ready to go on pitch and compete at a high level mm-hmm. to do that they need to they need to be they need to feel ready shoulders need to feel ready and they need to get a few hits in. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, that, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. <laughs> you're, you're that guy. You are. I, you I are think I'd buy a ticket as well. I would buy a ticket what? just to watch you get smoked yeah, on the side. That's worth. That's worth <laughs> it. Come on, do it. Showing up early just to watch you getting absolutely sacked for 20 Boys, minutes. Weekly, <laughs> my ribs are probably sore than theirs are after the game. <laughs> when, when this is when this is all settled, you need to give us some tickets, Andy. We're coming to just video you the whole game. <laughs> yeah. We'll post it. I'll we'll post, post it on the pod page. Just yeah. Andy getting absolutely croaked for twenty minutes. Andy getting smoked. <laughs> Champions, so, Champions Cup in Manchester against Sale. I was holding the bag on the sideline. Champions Cup, big deal. There's a lot more cameras there than what there are like a Pro 14 game hmm. on BT Sport. I'm there on the sideline warming up. Pierre Schumann, who is, if you know Pierre Schumann, he's 126 kilos. He's a big man. Front row, loose Big, big man. And he was like, big South African lad. And they can get a couple of hits. Take a big, big deep breath. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right, so, uh, sure, two, sure, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I was holding the bag like this. Took a couple of steps in. He came in. He didn't even hit me hard. I can tell, I can tell you right now, he, he didn't want to hit me because he knew if he hit me, he was going to kill me. He came in, <laughs> just light bomb. I had to go, I went one hand down to the deck. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> just giving it the old brave heart. Hold! Watching the subs, like, because obviously they film the subs getting ready to go on. There's me just turn around on camera. And Andy's just flying. Yeah. No, I'm not seeing it, but I'm almost positive because there was a camera looking that way. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll the internet and try and find that one. So so obviously Andy, you kinda went obviously you're you're working now in a fairly high profile job for for sort of strength and conditioning coaching and stuff. Like uh, how did how did the whole thing start for you? Like obviously you you've obviously gone through uni, you've gone PhD and stuff. Like where where did that sort of where did that come from for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's an interesting one. I took a bit of a long road for a shortcut, to be honest. Well, I say a shortcut, it's not even a shortcut. I took a long <laughs> road together. Um so I left school at 16. Um, I don't really, wasn't, wasn't the best student, let's put it that way. I think anyone who leaves school at 16 probably doesn't have the biggest interest. Well, all of us apart from Keith. <laughs> I know Keith. <laughs> the optimist. I don't know. Yeah, you, you boys know, like, you, you get to that age, you start thinking about what you want to do. I wasn't really sure, like, all my mates had left school as well. So I was a year younger than everyone in my year. So they all left at, the end of fourth year, I was just hanging about in fifth year. Didn't really know what to do. I could have took three hires, didn't take any. Um, kind of wanted to do higher PE, but 
wasn't really liked in the PE department. I was convinced that I was I was smarter than the PE teacher. When I was fifteen. Well, now now you probably are. Uh, <laughs> I mean, things turn out like no bad things to say about him. I'm, I'm sure it was just me as a fifteen year old that was a bit of a bit of a dick. Yeah, I, I think if we could all go back and probably speak to our fifteen year old selves, we'd probably not like ourselves, would we? Really? Oh man, absolutely not. But. Yeah. I'm still the same person, so I had my life sorted at 15. <laughs> but yeah, mate, fuck yeah. Yeah, all my mates left. Didn't really want to do anything, didn't really want to be in school. So as soon as my as soon as that year ended, my sixth my sixteenth birthday was coming, I was fucking leave a slip signed, I was out of there. Um yeah, I had a careers advisor that told me I needed hires and whatever else if I wanted to do anything in sport and I originally thought about physio um, but didn't do biology and I did physics and chemistry um, so I thought well went and did a year of engineering at college uh, in between that also went to Hagen for a bit in between that as well so I was still playing hockey and stuff at this time I'd started going to the gym before I went to Hagen because I thought I'm going to be a skinny Scottish 15 year old kid when I go out there I'm going to try I'm going to try and beef up and uh, it did not work. Um, <laughs> I went talking Hagen. I was me and Aidan Fulton. Uh, I, we were we were the skinny Scottish kids. So they're, that, fed, they're fed differently out there. It's fine. Mate, it was it was outstanding. We went <laughs> we went. We were just turning sixteen, and we we got put into the elite development camp, which we didn't realize at the time was for boys getting ready to go to college. <laughs> Yeah, mate, we, we played against the boy that went, uh, he went in to play for Princeton. And see, that was one. Yeah, he went to play at Princeton. There was another boy that went to play at Harvard. A um, couple of boys went to the ONWHL or getting ready to go to ONWHL. Um, so, yeah, mate, we, we, were, we were out of our depth coming from Fife Ice Arena and North Air and the Magnum and, yeah, playing against, well, you boys. <laughs> We're playing against those boys. Yeah. You so that, for your money, don't you? Yeah, fuck. Mate. That's that's where the gym started. Um, but yeah, it just kinda of intensified over there. I thought I was strong when I went over. I went over and I could probably squat about sixty kilos, not even more body weight at the time. And I went over and witnessed an eighteen year old squat 180 kilos and move around the ice four times faster than me. I thought, right, I need this is the way to go. Um so yeah, came back after things didn't really work out over there. Um, came back, went studying engineering for a year at college. But I was still playing hockey at the time. Um, I think it was might have been at Paisley by then. Yeah, it would have been at Paisley or going to Paisley. Um, still was going. That, to- um, was that about the time when I moved down? Was that because what would you have been when I was there? Well, I think I started. I think my first year I was nineteen when I I moved to Paisley. So that would have been what you a couple of years younger than me. Uh, maybe just a year, I think. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was studying engineering. It was all right at physics and maths, so I thought it was going to be all right. But yeah, I was just past it. But still going to the gym, still going to college. Uh, yeah, still playing hockey. Sorry. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was just getting more and more into the gym, more and more into hockey. And then things started to fall in place. Like I was, did all right in juniors. And then when I was first year under 18s, got invited to do GB and got all the way into squads and 
got right down to the last trial before the boys went to, I can't remember, I think it might have been Latvia they went to that year. Aiden got in. I didn't. Um, yeah, that that kind of that kind of knocked me for six a little bit. You'd done you'd done Scotland and stuff before that though, had you? Yeah, I did, I did Scotland all the way through age grades. Um, yeah, did under 11s all the way to under 19s to the game against England. Um, there was one year one year I missed out. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll swing back around to that awkward age of 14, 15. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Jordan's, Jordan's poised and ready for that chat. <laughs> yeah, we'll swing back around. Right. Um, yeah, did all the age grade stuff and then as I went to Paisley, things were going all right at Paisley. Um, and then decided, you know what, I'm gonna gonna try and do this fitness stuff at college. Um, dropped out engineering, went and did <laughs> NC HNC HND uh, health and fitness at Comanet College. Shout out! Um, <laughs> yeah, Kelly College is well known for it. Mona Kelly, yeah, And then while I was doing that, started lifeguarding at the Magnum, where I'd grew up playing hockey. Couldn't couldn't get away for that place. Ended up being a instructor and PT there as well for a couple of years. Yeah, so as I was doing that, I finished my HND. Still didn't really know where to go. Like I say, I was PTing at the Magnums. Uh, I was out of hockey by then for the first time. Um, and when you were, when you started your, your PT and stuff like that, is that when you sort of moved into the the, the bodybuilding sort of side of things? There's, there's so many gaps to these stories that just fucking keep coming back around. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. Essentially that I'd taken, I'd finished my first, I'd started going that way around HNC. I'm sure we'll come back to the end of hockey. <laughs> um, <laughs> then started, started bodybuilding. Yeah. Fucking, then PT did another year at college, did an HND in applied sports science at Largs just because I liked fucking having student loans. Um, <laughs> then, the bank of SAS. Oh my God, it was free money until now. And I'm paying yeah, until, until you leave UV and it's the biggest nightmare. Um, yeah, it's fucking horrible. Um, yeah, then went into 2 plus 2 at RGU and then PhD. Hopefully be done there fucking sometime soon. Within <laughs> 18 years. Um yeah, then started interning with Scottish Rugby and then fucking here we are. Yeah. But I suppose, yeah, that's that's the long way to get to where we are. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's certainly been a long way, but I mean, you've, you've definitely done the grafting with it, haven't you? I mean, like, look look at the position you're in now. Like, you're you're working with, you know, one of the you know, biggest, well, there's, there's only two pro clubs in Scotland, isn't there, really, working in the pro for 14. It's um, yeah. Glasgow, and, Glasgow and Edinburgh, so... Yeah, so you know, you've, you've done pretty well out of it. In fairness, when I yeah, when I first moved to when I first moved up to Aberdeen, uh, obviously went straight into third and fourth year, but I stayed in halls. And uh, the first night I was in halls, I got locked out of my room after taking a shower, and um, mm-hmm. I was just wearing my towel. And like we, it was like guys and girls. It was, it was cold outside, guys. It was cold. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my flatmates like, came around the corner. They were like, oh, do you want to go to a party? I was like, yeah, fuck it, why not? You don't Aye, I'll, bring, I'll bring my towel. We're going streaking! So much better. Yeah, I ended up having to phone like services, went in, got a shower, got changed, went out to a party, met a guy called Matthew Cook. 
who became really good mates with for a while while I was at uni. His dad was a development officer for Scottish rugby. And then that was it when I started my third year work placement. Me and him were good mates. He got he managed to sort me out with a meeting with the head of strength and conditioning for the Caledonia Academy. And then started my started my work placement there in 2005, well, January, 2nd of January, 2016. Third, second or third, either or. Um, and then that was it. Didn't leave them alone until they gave me a job. And then eventually worked my way here. So, so it was never actually like a a route you thought you would actually take. It just kind of landed on your plate, so to speak. Obviously, you had to work for it, and you had to go through the rigmarole to get it. But it just kind of happened as such. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I was PT and always do it. Like I enjoyed, I enjoyed PT, and I PT'd all the way throughout uni at the Aberdeen Sports Village, um, which I really enjoyed. But I always, I always kind of knew that, obviously, with a sporting background, you, you want to do something in sports, don't you? And obviously, yeah. ice hockey and rugby, you may not think it, but they're two really high-intense contact sports. So the crossover and training, aside for some energy system stuff, the crossover and actual resistance training it can be quite common in places. So there was a decent amount of knowledge that I had backed up from my own training and personal training to kind of shift over into Scottish rugby. Um so yeah, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. So like you said that, it kind of goes with, uh, I think you had something to say about like, no working with pros and there, there was something along that lines. Yeah, it was um, more to get to like, obviously before you worked with Edinburgh rugby team, you worked with the academy and the women's rugby team. Mm. It was more just to ask you like how they compared, how working with them, how they compared to being with the pros. It's like yeah, going from like uh, amateur kind of stuff, like yeah, amateur um, stuff, or, or, to amateur even, as such. I mean, obviously, sport to go the women like high end male pro sport. Yeah, I would say the main the main difference is in those programs you're focused on development. You're focused on developing the athlete, whether mm-hmm. it's a fifteen year old just entering your program or an 18-year-old getting ready to make that step into the professional environment, you're always focusing on developing every single aspect that that they've got that can make them the most well-rounded athlete that they're going to be. Um, whereas in the professional environment, they're, they're at the pinnacle of where they are most mm. of the time. Like You can try and eke out little bits of development here and there, but the emphasis in the program is just making sure these boys are ready week in and week out to go and perform that they need keeping them on the top of their athleticism rather than making them into athletes sort of thing yeah absolutely they're they're already machines they're already they're already where they need to be physically for the for the most part anyway there's always bits here and there that you can chip away at like some boys that need to get stronger need to get a bit leaner there's always some things some boys on the christmas diets some boys on (laughs) 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 so is that something like like what you're saying, is that something you enjoy more? So obviously it's, it must be quite a bit diffi- more difficult to try to work with these pro athletes because you're, you're trying to tweak very little almost like here and there. Whereas obviously what you're saying when you're developing, you can kind of, there's almost a little bit more freedom and you know exactly <clears throat> exactly where the end goal is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's... um. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a fine margin in pro sport. There's a very fine margin between that, like, okay, this this is this is the window of adaptation we've got right here with this boy. If he flips that, he could end up injured or he could end up out of the squad or he's going to not be selected because we've burnt him out and he can't perform. Whereas if you've got an academy player, there's a, there's a graduated process that you can go through and it's quite linear. I mean... You've still seen that graph success isn't linear and things like that. But when you're training a youth athlete, there is that gradual build-up and there's a step-by-step process that yeah. you need to follow to get that boy to or girl to where they need to be. Mm. Whereas, like in the pros, they're they're fluctuating so much because they might have a game and then there might be a six six-day turnaround, and you've got to get that boy from playing 80 minutes and he's knocked out 25 tackles and 15 carries into another 120 kilo guy flipping back round to be fresh again six days later it's a very fine line for performance yeah that's kind of what I was I was going to kind of go on to about like obviously you've kind of touched on like monitoring their improvements monitoring well they're not so much improvements and then you've also touched on catering obviously your workouts towards what their goals are based on like maybe who they're playing or where they're at weight wise also like User catering so little, little improvements here and there. It must be pretty exciting to see when they're on the pitch. These things come into fruition and working. Oh mate, yeah, like it's it's a good feeling when you when you watch a boy that's like for instance we had we had a we played a reserve game um, against Glasgow's reserves yesterday um, in Scotland in the pissing pissing rain. Three degrees, sideways rain, windy as fuck. Rain is sideways. Good, good day for rugby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got an umbrella inside out, three miles away. <laughs> Can yeah. you do it in a way day in Stoke? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like some of those boys that played in that game hadn't played rugby since last March. Oh, Jesus, a lockdown, and like you watch them graft away week in and week out in the gym watching the main squad go out and do their job, do their business and get the job done. And then these boys are just ticking away on the sideline. So to watch them go out, fucking put in some shots and put in put in some hard work and a bit of graph, mate, it's, yeah, it's, it's very satisfying when you see that. When you see that boy that you know that's been working hard, just put in that one big hit, you're like, fuck yes. That was me. That was me. I'd done that. That was that. That was that final deadlift I got him to do. Yeah. That extra extra kilo I made you put oh, on. That's why. Yeah. One of those things at that level. That's that's not on us as S and C staff. Like that's that's a full team effort. You just watch that boy go. Yeah. Yes, lad. We're gonna move you on a little bit, Andy, from um, from the rugby, and we're gonna kind of progress onto your your hockey career a little bit more in depth here. So we're gonna take it right back like where, where did the hockey begin we, we, and Andy. what age and at the end of the day do you ever see yourself lacing up the skates again for the Aberdeen likes that's Aye. a big question that's a big question <laughs> Co- coaches coaches on here you, you better give them an answer <laughs> yeah you give them a good fucking answer oh mate I wouldn't I wouldn't mate that, that would be class that would be class but right now I don't know can't see that <laughs> too busy uh, yeah, mate. Fuck. Way back, I heard I heard Jordan talking about it on a on another podcast. Shout out the other week, uh, the Robcast, um, talking about a rink down on the west coast called the Centrum. Oh, the good old Centrum. Yeah, the Air Eagle Centrum, mate. So we moved up from England um, 
when I was six, I think. To and the I, castle. What's that? To the castle. To the no, not to the castle. No, <laughs> this is pre castle. To a dingy, to a dingy street in Presswick. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, mate, it was a long time ago, and uh, I had no idea what hockey was. My dad, it'd been a couple of years we'd lived in that house and we knew that there was this big ice rink at the bottom of the street. And it was literally, we moved to the street, it was, I want to say, 600 metres down the road. <laughs> we knew it was there. We had no idea what went on inside it. And we didn't really care, to be honest. Um, and then my dad joined the gym in there one day and uh, he got free tickets when he joined. Me and him went down to watch a game. I was seven, eight. And I caught a puck on the first night. And uh, huh. yeah, that, that was pretty sick. You think eight years old, fuck, this new sport, it's fast, it's intense. The one thing that grabbed me, every time someone dropped the gloves to fight, they played the Eye of the Tiger music. As soon as the gloves hit the ice, it went down, 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 down. So, was, the, so the music was going throughout the fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> <It's> incredible. <laughs> like, had it cued. It went off, the tune went on. But yeah, it was a uh, the Centrum was class. It was it was what eight eight thousand seater arena for for like a random street in. It was Christmas. very it was it very was much random, random. Mm, yeah. like yeah. very very because it was it was it almost it was pretty much like an arena. It was, it was just in the middle of like a housing estate. Almost. Yeah, it was. In, it, well, that was essentially yeah, it. Was in the middle of a housing estate. Um, <laughs> But it, it sold out every week and it yeah. made it made great money, had great fans. Mate, me and my dad used to travel to away games. We went to Belfast when they won, I think it was like the Super League at the time. We nasty, nasty jerseys as well. Oh, oh, that orange mm. things. Orange, green, white. It sounds brutal, but yeah. they were I was good. They was good. They were I'll, get, I'll, get my, I'll get my mom and dad to take a photo of it. <laughs> get it out on the Instagram and Facebook. It's a class throwback. Um, but yeah, it sold out every week. We tr we travelled to Belfast with the with the squad, and then we got the we got the ferry back with them. They were all fucking pissed up at that. I was nine years old, loving it, getting them to sign everything, following the team around, thinking I was one of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was. But then fucking it shut down out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm pretty after. sure it's actually been flattened now, and it's like a Morrison's or a Sainsbury's uh, or something. It's a Sainsbury's, yeah. yeah. That's a that's a fair, of, of all a fair the rinks, fall from grace, isn't it? Ah, all the rinks in Ayrshire are shut and flattened. They've picked yeah. the best one. I know. Yeah. Because, well, it was that bar, bar construction. I mean, yeah. I don't know, obviously, the ends and outs, but they moved up to Brayhead, obviously, thinking it's a bigger arena. It's 10,000 seats. They'll get more fans, and none of the fans went. Mm -hmm. like, it was mm -hmm. And then within two seasons, it was... Well, I mean, if you rip it out the town, don't you? you know, that's the... Yeah, take, it? that was it. So yeah, I was eight or nine. I was going there. I was, I was going to the rookie, rookie, rookie classes at nine in the morning on like a Saturday. They give you a helmet and they give you a stick. <laughs> I know that. Skate, skates were going sideways. Absolute ankle breakers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I fucking did the teeth out there. It was unreal. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, but, but a but teeth is when you stand on a puck and fall on your ass. Stand on a puck in front of a thousand people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but then, but then it shut down, and then that was that. That was that dream over. Only lasted about a year, a year and a half, and uh, didn't really know what to do. And then when I reached ten, we kind of realised there was. 
20 minutes up the road, there was a full full setup at North mm. Ayrshire, North Ayrshire Ice Hockey Club. And then that was it. Joined out when I was 10. First session I went on there. I bought a pair of skates um, from Reeds in there. They didn't sharpen them. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember doing that. We I remember doing it. that with my first pair of skates. Like I, I couldn't figure out like why all, all the older kids could spray stop. And I yeah, was what? trying to spray stop to save myself. And I remember getting so annoyed at like, like I don't know, eight years old or something. I like skated full pelt, jumped onto my edges, clipped the ice and went straight in the boards, just like trying to space stop. And then we took them to the shop, like, yeah, they're not sharp. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, it's so bad. Eh? So we, we had no idea. I went to the training session with my mum and uh, she fucking laced me up. Uh, I got the full kit out the the sharing cupboard for the, for the under 10s and fucking went on the ice. And obviously knew how to skate because I'd done it at Ascension, but I couldn't skate. I had <laughs> zero traction. So every time I tried to take a step, kept falling. Started crying, obviously. Had to get Kathy <laughs> stand up. I was like, Mum, I don't know what's happened. I can't do this anymore. And then it was only when one of the coaches came over and looked at the skates. He was like, no, fucking sharp. If you don't know, you don't know with these sorts of things, do you? Like, that was the same as me. And like, my, I, I didn't know you needed to sharpen a pair of skates when you got them when I was eight years old. And neither you know, did my folks because I'd never played hockey before and never owned a pair of skates, you know? It's, yeah. it's the odd thing that no one actually tells you. No, yeah. like, just like, as in, oh, they're happy themselves. to take your money, but they won't tell you you can't skate yeah. on them no, yet. There's, like, <laughs> there's, nowhere, there's nowhere to say you must sharpen skates. And like, everyone, everyone else will tell you because everyone. Yeah, well, you're already skating, you know, you need yeah, edge, how skates but... knows. <laughs> but, but it's not like, oh, would you like me to sharpen your skates yeah, before you leave the shop with brand if new skates? If someone had said to me, do you want me to sharpen your skates at 10 years old? I'd be like, no. What yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I think they're, I think they're sharp mean? enough, mate. Like, you seen those blades? They're pretty thin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that was it. Uh, I played, I played, something I trained for obviously a few months, figured out what to do with my hands and feet. Uh, played in my first under-10s game, scored two goals. Boop, boop. Oh, I love it. Not a big deal. Same day, played in an under man of the match. Boop, boop. But then it was only... Oh, definitely not a big it was deal. Only a re- it was only like a year later I realised the first game that everyone plays at under-12s to give man of the match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we sympathy? Are we sympathy was, trophy? He held it close to his heart, okay? I was like, oh my God, I'm like one of these phenoms that's like, Unreal. An absolute, an absolute prodigy, a prodigy coming out of Prestwick. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my god, I'm going to be unreal. Are they speaking about me in Canada and America yet? Mum, <laughs> I'm being scouted. When am I going to Okanagan again? <laughs> like go oh, the rains, mum, I'm going. Um, but nah, yeah, that that was it. Played played most of my played most of my juniors at at North Air. Um, we had, a, we had a good squad there through the juniors. We had, obviously, Aidan Fulton, who still really close with to this day. Um, Ryan Adams, who's currently out in Canada, and a couple of other boys, Connor McCallum and boys like that. Good, good setup at North there. Yeah, it was, when, mate, when we were there at the juniors, mate, it, it was very well run, and we had some quality, quality coaches. I was, I was just about to say, I think, I think a lot of it comes down to just good people. Yeah. From, from what I've seen from North there, it's... Like anyone that I've played where anyone that I've seen mm. coaching, it's just good, good people. Mm. And I think that helps. It doesn't even matter how much you know about the game and stuff, as long as you've got the enthusiasm from all these coaches and players and just good people around you, mm-hmm. it will always help. Oh, totally, mate. And 
and we did. We we had a fantastic group going through age grade stuff. Um, and then, yeah, we won everything in under 12s, under 14s, we did all right. And then me, Aidan and Ryan, when we were like under 12s, under 14s, we were always playing up a, playing up a, playing up a year. And yeah, it just kind of went from there. Unfortunately, when we got to under 16s, yeah, hormones and stuff kicked in. We had a few fallouts with those exact same really good people where you look back now and you think, fuck, I really, really wish I hadn't burned that bridge at like 14, 15 years old. And like, yeah, ended up moving moving to Paisley for the first time, moving to Kilmarnock after that. And then eventually back to North Air for a couple of years and, and then to Paisley um, all the while doing like Scotland and national junior stuff going to going to the conference tournaments, playing the English teams. Um, was it still Hull when you went down? It was. We, we got to go first. The first year I got in the Scotland team, actually, you like this one. First time I got to go in the Scotland team, we went to Germany for a tournament. It was under 12s. So we were we were the under, it was before it went like under 11s, under 13s for conference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Under 12 Scotland team. Uh, we went to Germany. After the first game, I stood on Callum Adamson's fingers in the changing room. Cut. Yeah cut his three fingers, his <laughs> index to whatever finger that one is, off. Like, hanging, off. hanging on by his skin, like, through oh. the bone. That's just fucking <laughs> bounce, that is. That's just yeah. not right. Yeah. Dude, like, that's, like, one of the biggest, like, argument myths with skates as well, and you've just absolutely proved it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you speak to him to this day, like, he'll justify it. There was fruit put down in the middle of the changing room floor. So you got your skate sharpened that day, so we finally got his skate sharpened. Um, fuck it, yeah. He he like he crawled out to the middle of the changing room to get one, but we were like in the stalls next to each other, so he went down onto his hands and knees to go and reach, and I stood up. Yeah, oh. he played one game of that tournament. He went straight fuck. to the hospital, got them stitched back on, and then every time. Until I think he's he actually did all right. He got to the clan um and then stopped playing. Every time we played against each other after that, I'd take his gloves off and show him the scars. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he did all right. You obviously didn't do him too much harm. Nah, nah, obviously. <laughs> fine. I'm sure it was pretty traumatizing at the time, but nah, that was yeah, that was a rough start to the rough start to the national career. <laughs> <laughs> so was that against was that against just local German teams or was it German national? No, it was it was it was national teams. Well, I don't know if it was national teams. It was, there might have been like club teams, but there was like Swedish teams, Finnish teams. It was Latvian teams. It was class. I remember one of the teams actually. Right, how bad is this? Right, it was under twelves. Obviously, non-contact hockey. One team refused to come out and play against us because we were too violent. <laughs> under Definitely a Scandinavian like, team. Just sounds like typical Scottish hockey, though. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go and play that guys because they're too tough, too too hard. Yeah, under twelves, like under 12, We obviously didn't know how to play the game. Um, <laughs> just going around there, get out there and stick them. <laughs> just two handing folk to the fucking calves and everything. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah, that was that was good times. It was good fun. Too busy hearing you shouting freedom in the changing room. Just <laughs> 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 yeah. coming out, coming out, covered in blue wool. You know I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, and then yeah, went straight to the conference stuff. Um, did the whole heard Jordan's story about the the big fight 
and his big fucking moment of truth grabbing boys. I was I was there for that. We were in the, the stands. first and last time. Oh, we were you in the stands? Punch. Yeah, I was there for that. Yeah, <laughs> fuck we, up. Were the year, we were the year. <laughs> we were the year young. Um, it was a sight to behold, wasn't it? Really, it was because it... Jordan throwing a punch or the fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing you throw a punch, juniors. Shut up. Throw Barry. Well done. You're under two. <laughs> <laughs> but in fairness, the, the, I was just about to say, at national level, that's unheard it's not of, something you really. see. Uh, once it goes up past, no, like, I don't see much. Once it goes yeah. in international hockey, there's it not. Was, yeah, it was. It was not very much. Like the you obviously heard about with Roscoe breaking his back and then coming back. So there was a there was a bit of animosity <laughs> into that game. So I think there was a little bit of that, and then obviously it just kicked off. But that's fair. If if you, anyone wants to hear the full story, go over, go over and listen to my interview Jordan Laden with the Sunday Robcast. We'll good give him a, we'll give him another wee share. Another another plug. Plug. Um, <laughs> can thank his later goose. <laughs> On all major streaming platforms. <laughs> the, the Show Me Potato Plugcast. <laughs> yeah, so you obviously went Hull. And it, did you go, was it Nottingham as well? Did you do Nottingham? Yeah, we did, we did the under-19s. But uh, what was your score against them, Jordan? We, we got beat, I think it was 2-1 was or 3-2. We got beat by a goal. Yeah. I remember, I'm not going to name the poor defenseman's name that coughed up the puck on the blue line that cost us a goal, but, you know. He knows who he is. Yeah, he knows who he is. He doesn't. He's been living it for years. He's been living with yeah. it for years. So I won't, I won't uh, throw him under the bus, but yeah, we, we were we were one all. I think it, I'm pretty certain it was one all playing really well. You'll know uh, David Orr. Yeah, yeah. Played so he, yeah, so yeah, I... Yeah. I assisted the goal. Oh, just, no big deal. Just you, you passed it. Jeez, yeah. You passed. Yeah, I passed. <laughs> you go see my stats. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Jordan, Jordan made his one pass and had his one fight whilst playing for Scotland. <laughs> Jordan yeah, actually assists more goals. I made my whole career off of Jordan Layden. Thank you very much. Cheers, Carl. Cheers. There for the there for the brother. But yeah, David David Orr scored it. We were one all, and I think we we ended up two one. What what were you? What was yours? Uh, we got shit kicked nine one. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting Andy to come out there going, "Oh nah, we won." Fuck you, Jordan. I, I was expecting nine one. What was your score? We did better. Nah, nah, not at all. Uh, I don't feel so bad now. I might call the guy out because it doesn't sound that bad now. <laughs> oh mate, in fairness, it was. I think it was one all after the first period, and then. It, it went so bad. <laughs> That's just typical Scottish fashion, though, is it? Like, you're either one goal deficit or you're getting absolutely bent over and pumped. Yeah. So, so just for, for, like, folk listening, was that against the, the Nottingham... No. Was that against the pro England, team? 19. No, no, Scotland. No, no, no. Right. Scotland, Scotland under 19 versus England under 19s. Yeah. Right, so at Nottingham. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So for everyone listening, just there's a bit, little bit of background. This is typically on the playoff weekend for the Elite League. Yes. Was that, right. was that the same for you, uh, Andy? Yeah, so they, they typically have... So the Elite League and ice hockey, they have their playoff weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and you're usually on... Is it Saturday? Before the first lot of games, yeah, yeah. So you're usually on Saturday before the first semi-final. You're on relatively afternoon, relatively early before the rest of the games. But you you still end up with 
because it's a, it actually works really well because you have four teams playing that weekend rather than the two on the Sunday. You end up with the fans from all four teams. Mm. Oh yeah, big fans. Yeah, so it ends up getting quite a bit of line. Yes, yeah, so it ends up with a fairly packed crowd for all these spectators to kind of possibly see what's coming through as well. Yeah. That may be coming through in their elite teams. It's it, it's it's uh, yeah. some experience. You must. I was going to say it must be some experience. Uh yeah, mate. It was it was absolutely class because, like, obviously you get your you get your shirts and tie on, you get bust into the game. And uh, yeah, it, it's a bit of buzz. It's a bit of a buzz. And then you go out there and get shit kicked. So it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then you enjoy your weekend, though. We went to, we went to Hooters after it. That was the first time. We yeah. I think everyone goes to Hooters. It's the only place in, it's the only place in Britain that's got Hooters, I think. I think so. It's something like that, because we were so obsessed with going. So it must yeah, have... so were we. Yeah. You, had, you had it, like, what, 17-year-olds getting going. <laughs> <laughs> Hooters. You yeah. don't eat any food. <laughs> <laughs> no no drinks or food were ordered. <laughs> Eyes were goggled. So while we're on kind of your hockey career, Andy, you kind of briefly mentioned it about the possibility of almost quitting. So we, we've obviously discussed this before and that when you hit a certain age, probably near enough puberty, when you hit puberty, kind of just a little bit older, kind of 14, 15, you end up... Junior, you'll find out about that in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. If you're 20-fucking-eight and you grew your first beard last year. <laughs> but, yeah, so when, when you get to... About... Also a very single man and lonely. <laughs> <laughs> Junior's found his voice. <laughs> right, so when you get to... About... 14, 15, 16. <laughs> you obviously your your body starts to change just naturally, but it has such an effect on you. Like for me, it didn't because I'm I've always been fucking basically five yeah, feet six since I was <laughs> left yeah. fourteen. But well, you can speak about your own experience. Go and give us a kind of rundown, Andy, of what can yeah, happen. What was it? It was first year. I think it was either second year Scotland under 15s or first year under 17s. Um, yeah, I was around 14, 15. Uh, and I was going to the trials. Obviously, things were going all right in North Air, but it's it's club and like you're playing playing with good players there, and like you go to trials and you you got to put on your best show, you got to do your best and. Fuck it, something just wasn't right. Something wasn't right. I was getting sore knees. Like, we'd had a bit of a summer off, so obviously you do the trials pretty quick back into the new season. Um, so we, we'd had we'd had that summer break where you've got two, three months off, not really doing much, not playing hockey, and then you have a couple of training sessions and then you're back in the trials. Um, yeah, think, things didn't feel right. I was getting fucking so much pain in my knees, man. My knees were so sore. Couldn't skate, kept falling over, got laced by my ankles, couldn't shoot. Every yeah, every time I tried to stop, turn would fall. Like, was blaming my skates, was shouting at my dad. Like, things things got. Things got you not got these sharpened since you bought them. <laughs> things got tense between me and Tony for a while because oh. it was, yeah, it was it was fucking tough because 
it's like one of those things like you get in all the age grade stuff for every year up until that point and then all of a sudden you're like oh my god what the fuck is going on and like i was like we you guys know the way i play i, w- I was never mm. i was never the biggest i was never the strongest i never had the best shot and i never had the best hands but i was fucking quick and that <laughs> That is Luis Mendoza. He's got no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, had, I had no brakes. I had no idea what I was doing out there, but I just used to bomb around. I literally just used to bomb around, and that was it. Like, so when that when that wasn't going to plan, and I couldn't bomb around anymore, I couldn't couldn't skate, couldn't really control my limbs. I was like, holy fuck, what's go- what's going on? Um, but then like. The more, the more obviously being in the work that I'm in now, you start to understand like the effects of maturation status on on athletes and youth athletes can have a really big impact on how they play. So, so kind of give us in layman's terms, what does that mean? <laughs> obviously, layman's terms, growth spurts, like hormonal changes in the body, like structural changes in the body, it's shoulder. Kind of like a kid going from like five foot five to six foot one in a summer. Absolutely. It? You know. <clears throat> Until I was about 15, 6. My dad, let's get let's give Tony his juice. He's five foot four and a half. <laughs> half counts, <laughs> half counts. Exactly. Exactly, five foot ten and a half. He's he's not a tall guy. So I was I was never the tallest kid. So that's why I say like I, I I placed literally all my eggs in that basket of being fast. I just wanted to be the quickest on every single every single team I played in. Um because I knew I was never gonna be the biggest. So I didn't grow, and then all of a sudden, obviously, you get to that age and you start you start to spur up a little bit, and then, like, like I say, those structural changes, you start to your limbs don't really understand where they are in space. You can't really control them, and obviously, after that two to three month break that you have, like, I don't think it's it's kind of actually hard to comprehend how much someone going through like maturity in different stages of the maturation can grow within that time period, within such a yeah. short period. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think probably all of us have seen it. So like, you know, that way where you leave school at like, what, at the start of, like, the start of somewhere, and then in six weeks you come back to school and you see this kid. He's got a beard. Yeah. There's maybe, there's maybe grown a bit three, four inches, or he's like, all of a sudden he was a bit chubby. Now, obviously, because he's grown, he's now all all of a sudden slim and so yeah, much that, changes. that never happened for me and i'm still <laughs> very angry about it i'm waiting on my growth spurt where i become skinny uh, <laughs> i think i was on the same boat as yourself andy like the whole knees thing but hockey wise it didn't really affect me i was playing football at the same time kind yeah. of started kicking about and it really really affected me in football like i found like yourself saying you'd be skating and you'd be falling over your knees are in constant agony but I, I, w- I was playing in goals at hockey at the time and I don't know if that had some form of issue with me, like, you know, between between two sports, one being moving about all the time, one being kind of s- more static, but it, it was annoying, like, yeah. in football if I can wise. Remember, if I can remember right, is it, Os- is it Osgood Slatters? Osgood Slatters, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the problems with the knees and yeah. there were so many, I remember... I remember there was a guy in my Montrose team and genuinely he went from like probably not too dissimilar in sizes with me to about, like you say, Keith, about six foot one. Yeah. Out of nowhere, he kind of mm. 
just stretched and then he ended up having these problems with your knees like you were discussing Andy it's agonising yeah. yeah and you, and at that age you don't really know what's going on like obviously having the background that I do now I can, I can look back and I can have an understanding but at that time you like you just get frustrated you mm. get frustrated you start to think right maybe I'm not as I'm not as good as what I thought here and during that time I was fuck it I was just purely hoping reputation alone would carry me through the trials and get me through to that team but not a big deal yeah not a big deal it was that time though it was a big deal because he didn't get it (laughs) 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 yeah Uh, yeah mate that was that was a dark time and then like you've obviously got that that window where that coincides where your mates are going out people start getting interested in other things and you start questioning, right? I'm I'm not very good at this anymore. <laughs> those, boys, those boys are having fun on a Friday and a Saturday, and I've got to drive to Fife and freeze my tits off and fall over all the time. What's mm. the point? I think that's it. It's the it's the timing and the age as well. Yeah, like because obviously it happens around the same sort of time where you know 16, 17, 18, where booze and things you can finally do it legally. Um, you know, and, and that's the that's the that's <laughs> the problem, yeah. wasn't it? Is like you you hit that age. You, you fall out of interest because you've been you've been good at it you've completely changed and all of a sudden you're not good at it and then there's this other thing like the carrot dangling in front of the donkey that you're going oh well actually this isn't working out for me let's move into that and then you get a lot of players who are absolutely brilliant that just completely fall off the wagon yeah no absolutely like don't get me wrong it's different for everyone like it can be earlier it can be later it can um, I'm sorry just sorry to interrupt slightly but it can also go the opposite hmm. no we're where people yeah. well you get kids that, that just show up all of a sudden good. and are just incredible and then, yeah right, it goes in their favor yeah yeah, yeah but they they would have they would have had that same period but it would have been maybe a lot shorter they wouldn't it wouldn't have not it wouldn't have affected them mm-hmm. as much like aiden aiden was fucking outstanding all the way through juniors yeah and we played in a line together all the way up until i moved to paisley and he moved to dumfries and we out, he was center. I was right wing. That was it. Boom. Under twelves to under eighteens, twenties, and I I can never remember him having a period like that. He was just class all the way mm. through. But he, he was he was taller than me all the way through juniors, but now we're roughly about the same height. So it's kind of one of those things. It's maybe been more of a gradual process for some mm-hmm, people yeah. than as other yeah. people. And I suppose I think, that's what makes it interesting. And in, in I suppose your your whole job and what you do as well is that like. There's everyone's completely different. Although we're all the same, we're all very different. Yeah, uh, and, and that's what I was like. I kind of say to like my patients and things when I'm I'm describing what what normal is. I'm like, well, there isn't really a normal. Normal's different for everybody. Yeah, and uh, you know, normal for some guys is yeah that developmental stage where it's just gradual increments, gradual increments, and then there's that gradual when, as you say, you go from five foot five to six foot one in, in six months. Um, and and it's like as you say, that's why I suppose it's it's so interesting with these kind of things is because. Is completely different. There is there is a guy that springs to mind when we speak about this. Is I don't know if you remember him at all, Andy, but a guy called Ryan Cowie, who he was he was pretty good. He was always pretty good, but all of a sudden, I think he stretched his body changed, and it seemed to just click. Yeah. Over that over that summer, mm-hmm. because his body changed, it was like everything caught up. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everything clicked. He was quicker than everyone. He was stronger than everyone. And that's kind of where I was getting at. It's like, it can switch for yeah. 
Yeah. It, it's not yeah. always it's not always bad. Yeah, it, for some it's a but, blessing, for others it's a curse, really, isn't it? Yeah, think, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think you're right in that. I think to be honest, if you've got that talent when you're younger, then it's not going to magically disappear. Like you go through that phase, but that was the lucky thing with me. I I was one of the lucky ones, and I stuck it out. And then you're right, you eventually reach that point that it's clicked. But it's like I said, like some people that for some people that's a lot quicker and it just happens. Well, not just happens, but it's more of a, a smoother process where they don't have that window of awkwardness and limbs are going everywhere and you're falling over. Some people yeah. just they grow into their body really fast. But I think that's that's where more awareness needs to be given to these young players that are maybe going through that stage and they're starting to make those decisions and that. Mm-hmm they need to be told that this isn't going to be a long-term thing. Like the skills that you've had and the attributes that you have that made you a good player, they're not disappearing. They're not going anywhere. You're just going to have to kind of learn to move in the way that you do now under your body shape and size. Because I eventually got to, got to where I am now. And then after, after that little period, I made back into Scotland team the next year. And then I was first year under 18s GB um, went to Paisley Paisley then offered me to go to Edinburgh went to Edinburgh for a bit and then obviously a few life things took over and injuries took over and then it kind of went down a different route but I think it's right in that if, if if awareness is given to these boys at a younger age that this is this is going to happen and not terrify them and kind of deal with it and train around it and give them things to do outside of the gym that they can learn to build up that muscle strength and coordination to adapt to those changes mm-hmm. rather than just let it let them let it get that that was one on. thing i was just a way to ask is is there a way to combat that because obviously the, the, there might be people out here that are listening that, that may have kids or they may coach mm-hmm. kids that are roughly this age that kind of go i've got this kid that all of a sudden just can't seem to function the way they could <laughs> yeah be, being that kid, mate, it, it's tough. And it, if if I was a parent, like, listen, I'd just fucking tell them to stick with it, keep motivating them. But in terms of things that you can do outside the gym, I would, uh, outside the gym, uh, outside of the actual sport, I would say, like, moderation of the sport. So things like the knee issues and Severs disease and Osgood slatters and these kind of inflammation, um, tendon, tendon inflammation, tendon orthopathies that come up within the knees and the ankles are often brought on by extreme growth spurts and weight gain, height gain, along with not really controlling how much you're doing of the sport or controlling your load, your sport load. Um, So that's where you can get these kind of flare ups and then you get the pain. But if we can start to control, control that load and then start to add in things like, I don't want to. I don't want to say gym work because to me, to me, like I say, there's a step by step process. But for someone listening, it, they might not understand what that'll be. So for someone that age, it might be t- teaching someone how to fucking relearn a forward roll at 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds. Why the fuck would you want to do that? Surely <laughs> you taught how to forward roll in fucking primary one, but it becomes very awkward watching a six foot six second row rugby player at 15 try and forward roll 
like i'm probably gonna get at the, like crucified here but like <laughs> oh like, the boys know what's coming i'm gonna talk about crossfit um you're gonna love it you're gonna love it but like a, a lot of that came like obviously in crossfit obviously it's quite beer and it's workouts and stuff and i couldn't do a handstand like I was playing well, I could do a lot of push-up. There was a lot of stuff I couldn't do, but like you know, in these workouts, there was like handstand push-ups, and I'm like, I'm a 20-year-old guy. Like, I used to be able to do a handstand when I was younger, and I went to do a handstand and collapsed in a big pile. You know, and I had to like retrain myself a big, big pile. I had to like go and retrain myself to do a handstand, like something that a five-year-old will just go and chuck out in a playground. Yeah, like and like skipping. Like I couldn't skip to save myself. I had to like reteach myself how to skip. Like these simple, simple things that you know you you kind of you can just do as a kid, and then obviously as you say you grow, you change, you do different things, and then all of a sudden you just you can't do these really simple things like you say like a forward roll or something like that. Yeah, so you're exactly right, mate. So the process that we start with with the academy when they get when we get these boys in at fourteen, fifteen, and like they're identified as being the best rugby players in the country and they can't really move like like they can't crawl they can't squat but they're good at rugby so you've got we've got to get them through this and we've got to get them adapted and we've got to get them um a more well-rounded athlete um it starts with with that coordination mm-hmm. um can't remember where i was going with this and cut this up <laughs> But I think, but it's something that you do lose, though, isn't it? Like, because obviously, as I say with rugby and stuff, you're used to, you know, you'll make a big tackle. You used to, you can tackle, you can run, you can pass, you can do these things. But there's other aspects to that game where you know, being able to be more mobile, being able to do these sorts of things. Yeah, a forward roll. It seems really stupid for to be teaching a pro rugby athlete how to do a forward roll, but it's maybe the coordination aspects, the the difference in you know balance points, these sorts of things that could actually contribute in other aspects of the game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think you touched on it there. It's that, it's that coordination aspect. It's about like being able to control your limbs in space. If someone's going in for a tackle and they've got both arms up and they don't know where their arm is, they're going to pop the shoulder out and mm-hmm. into the wrong position. It's going to get knocked the wrong way, and then that's a yeah. potentially severe injury. I suppose it maybe comes into like stability and like going into rocks, trying to retrieve a ball, try to dig a ball out. Yeah, absolutely. If you, can, if you can hold your weight whilst you're over the top of someone, try to dig a ball out. Whereas yeah. if you're maybe not used to getting into depth, being able like your mobility is not good, um, you know you're not going to be able to get into that position where you can be effective in these situations. Yeah, mate, you've hit the nail on the head there, Keith, and it's uh, that is that's step one of the academy. It's teaching these guys how to control their body, <clears throat> get into these sports-specific, rugby-specific shapes in a safe way, mm-hmm. safe and effective way that they're going to be able to play their game and they're not going to get hurt doing it. Yeah, um, we we get that as well in hockey, like. We, you get taught how to hit, how to take a hit. And mm-hmm. I think taking the hit's probably almost more important than giving a hit because you're yeah. learning how to safely take the hit without getting injured, like you're kind of mentioning there. Yeah, when you're going to save it. a lot of injuries. Yeah. yeah, But I suppose, again, it comes into the mobility side of things. You know, you get rugby players, you get caught getting their head on the wrong side of a tackle and they're off the pitch for a head assessment. You know, whereas, you know, because maybe the mobility is not right. They can't get around the player. They, you know, they can't move. As you say, they'll stick their arm out, their shoulder pops, um, which, you know, isn't particularly conducive to playing rugby if your shoulder's not in place. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you, from going from that, 
would you kind of say it's just kind of taking it back to basics? If if you're going, if there's a kid right now going through this, is it very much go back to basics and basically retrain your brain? Yes. That, to now, yeah, absolutely. To now work with what you have. <laughs> yeah, that is that is absolutely it, and that's what we did in the academy. We teach boys a lot of body weight movements first, and we take them back to those basics: how to crawl, how to roll, how to how to be strong within their own body before we put them under a bar and we put weights on their back and we make them bench press and squat and things like that. We make, we need to make sure that they, you can control your body in space and you can move effectively to the point that you're not going to get hurt in the gym and you're not going to get hurt playing your sport. And you've reached a level of athletic ability that we're going to be comfortable where we can start to develop you in a more sport specific way to put it, to put it in that term. But you're right in terms of the sport and stuff, mate. Yeah. Fuck me. I think I went right back to doing fucking backward C cuts and shit. I mean, I was never good at back backwards. Say, <laughs> Andy, you're not. Known I, I was never a backwards. big backward skater. I was always more of a turn and go guy. Um, but yeah, just fucking go back to doing C cuts. Shoot the duck. Like that's the thing. If that's what if that's what you need to do to get yourself yeah, back to yeah. back to where you need to be, then that's what you just need to do. Yeah, and that's that's what we. Like I've kind of mentioned it when we're getting back into this now after the pandemic, that we've been off the ice for, or, and it's the same for basically it's the same for anyone. If you're going back into whatever sport now, yeah. let's just go back to basic because we probably will need <laughs> retrain yeah. ourselves in how to do this stuff. There needs to there needs to be, and everyone in this situation, whether it's pro or amateur sports, there needs to be some sort of there needs to be a graduated return to play process. Filtering in process, whether it's whether it's fitness levels and skill levels, like you say, it needs to go all the way back. Um, and I think that's where, especially in amateur sports, where there's potentially not as much support and guidance, where boys will fucking just want to jump back in and they want to scrim two, three times a week. And it's yeah, I can see that's the only reason why I turn up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's but there's that aspect where it's it's the game you play, it's the game you love. So you you want to go out and play it. So you want to scrim, you want to you want to play like sort of kind of games like that because you want to play hockey, you want to play rugby, you want to play football, you want to get straight into playing it. But all that's going to happen a lot of the time is you're going to get frustrated because you're going to try and pivot, you're going to try and turn, make a pass, whatever, and you're going to fluff it up because Stand your coordination's up. not the same or stand on a puck because uh, your coordination's not not where it was before your fitness isn't where it was before so you're going to get frustrated you're not in the right position um you know there, there's all those aspects to it as you say with like return to play it's sport like and, and you know it's stripping down to basics although it's it's well you know classically you know nobody really enjoys it too much nobody likes standing doing passing drills skating drills running drills those sorts of things but if you do those when you do go into the game you then enjoy the game more because you're at the right level to play it you'll be in a much you'll be in a much better position yeah yeah, absolutely. Preparation is key. Oh, preparation is key. So since we've covered mm-hmm. your uh, hockey career and with you working uh, pro rugby wise and amateur rugby teams, what do you see next for Andy Murphy after finishing your doctorate? When will he, when will he finish his doctorate? Yeah, I know. Van, six <laughs> million, million Andy years later. Van Wilder Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I've been saying within the next year for the last... For as long as we've known you. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I don't know, boys. Like, fuck, being on being on furlough last year gave me a good chance to knock a decent amount of it out of the way, but 
yeah, being back to work now and working the hours that we work is it's pretty tough. But who knows? Probably much of the same. Like I, I like where I am now. I'm in a good position now, and to be honest, like to be working in a professional setup with the experience that I've got, like I'm, I'm extremely happy. Um, so yeah, who knows? Who knows? Do you see yourself sticking with rugby? Are you, are you uh, pretty happy with it? Or? Yeah, I mean, rugby, to be fair, like for someone who's never played rugby, it's, the sport's given me a lot of opportunity that I probably wouldn't have got anywhere else. Um, and a lot of it just being in the right place at the right time, like this job with Edinburgh came up as a as an internal staff secondment from my current role. And obviously with it being internal, there was only a handful of people that that could be selected for the job. And I was just the lucky one that, that managed to get it. So... Yeah, everything's going to seem to fall in place quite well. Um, so yeah. hopefully it'll be much of the same. And then who knows, like opportunities come up to to move on one day. I'm not going to pigeonhole myself within, yeah, yeah. within one place. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I must admit, we've, we've enjoyed, we've, sorry, we've, we've enjoyed seeing you progress because obviously we've seen you come to Aberdeen, you've been doing your hockey, and start doing everything yeah yeah but we, we've kind of seen you go from just playing with us doing your your stuff at uni to then doing the scottish rugby stuff with the academy and then we're now seeing you now progress i must admit for for us it's been great to see yeah like, mm-hmm. there's nothing better than seeing a, a friend do well oh, yeah especially a close friend yeah actually going and doing something especially for when you were scared when you were for applying for the job but not thinking yeah you were going to get it you just went out on a limb and applied for it and then mm-hmm. Yeah, literally. As well. Applied on the closing date. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> Still to this day, think you should have kept the man bun like that. Oh, <laughs> next level. That's rugby work. Imagine, imagine that first day at camp. You can't properly introduce yourself to anybody. You've got a mask on. It's like, who's the guy with the man bun? The man bun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I would have lived that down. There's enough. There's enough chuff that gets thrown around work already. Like some of these boys are absolutely brutal. Like the smallest thing that's off there will fucking tear you down for it. So I'm quite I'm glad that the man bun's not there for that. But on that topic, shout out to Mark and Rue that are coming on because I've had two haircuts since being in Edinburgh and they've been the worst of my life. And my hair has never looked so good than what it did when Mark was cutting my hair. <laughs> I, I love that man. He yeah, he made me he made me handsome. Look half decent. Yeah, we'll be sure to let them know when we've got the boys on. Shout out those boys. I miss that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So Andy, just to kind of close off here, is a is a little bit of a debate between the boys. And it's how do you how do you pronounce almond? Almond. Almond. Do you say the almond. L or do you miss the L? Almond or almond? I'm an I'm an almond guy. Yeah, you're a big almond guy. Well, I'm gonna have to beep that out on the edit. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, cheers, cheers. <laughs> Just Junior coming in with a slander. We, it is bloody the L is silent. <laughs> No, but nobody's saying that way. Nobody. Do you call it a knife and voice. <laughs> We asked an English teacher and she said the L is silent, it is almond. Really? Definitely calls a knife work. a knife. 
100% for anybody listening, slide in the DMs with a voice note yeah. and let us know how you say. We might, we might put a wee, uh, we might put a wee question there up on the story and find out. We'll, we'll settle this debate <laughs> once and for all. Once and for all. But Andy, it's been absolutely awesome. It's been great yeah, having you on. It's been, it's been great getting your insight. It's good to great. see your face again. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been and it's good. It's good. To, like we've just said, it's good to see you do well. We, we can't be more proud. Oh, I, tell, I tell you what. I tell you what. I do miss fucking Hazel Hill Golf Course. <laughs> not we're that we're not that playing it just now either. Ditch on the on the fifteenth though, we had to chip it out of that bad boy. That was a yeah, that was good fun. That yeah, yeah. go go for the boys, go for the go for the boys at the weekend, mate. That was best part of follow that. We'll, we'll, we'll see you in summer. Yeah, we'll, we'll get down in the summer. Busy, we'll be there for you. Tournament sorted. Absolutely. Do we'll do a little round robin. We'll get around in Aberdeen. We'll get around in Edinburgh. We'll get around in Glasgow with CJ. Yeah, how good would that be? That'd be good. That sounds good. That sounds good. Leave our fucking house. SMPS on tour. There we go. Yes. Yes. There we go. Sandbaggers. Is that copyright? Sandbaggers. Sandbaggers. <laughs> that might be copyright, but we'll, we'll sort Salad it. Salad baggers. We'll call it something. Oh, Salad baggers. Salad baggers. <laughs> We're on one. We're on one. Right, Andy. It's been amazing. Much appreciated, man. Love you, yeah. Andy. Cheers, Andy. And quality base here. The Eagle has landed. Huge thank you to Andy Murphy for coming on for that uh, in-depth interview there. How did you think that went as a first interview, boys, on the show? I generally, for the first one, thought it was pretty good. Flowed really well. And the amount of information that Andy came out with was just ridiculous. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think we're going to have to get was... him on again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we covered a lot of ground and it was it was pretty cool to get like a good in-depth view of like what what the, like the kind of behind the scenes ongoings within like a professional pro rugby team yeah, yeah professional pro team. team in general yeah exactly yeah it was awesome to hear about well even like the, the genes that he was on about like yeah that's it's just awesome to hear that stuff because you yeah. would never know you would just never know just absolute yeah. freaks of nature by the side one in my lifetime <laughs> he was bad enough built differently natural yeah. Yeah. athletes and that's Man. like yeah we'll definitely need to get him on again because we did we didn't even cover his bodybuilding yeah. career I think it'd be like well, a, Andy's yeah. Andy's done a fantastic career that you had <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's done a lot he's done a lot so yeah I think further down the line we have we'll, I think we'll get him back on yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely definitely I think as things go obviously with the first one obviously it was a slightly longer interview that we've done today obviously a lot of them maybe aren't going to be quite as quite as long as that but obviously with Andy being a really good friend with a lot of stuff that we know that he's done and we, we could cover with yeah you can so. just speak to him and just let yeah. it flow I think as, as well the fact that we know him so well some of the stuff that he, he spoke about like that you didn't know it's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just crazy you know he, obviously he's quite a quiet guy in the changing room uh, until we go out afterwards and he's got a drink in him but <laughs> um yeah <laughs> gets a drink in him and then just talks about like sports science for <laughs> the next two hours <laughs> i do sports science man. I'm, a, I'm a glorified pt me <laughs> it won't it won't have like you, to say have that. you tried an insanity workout it's brilliant <laughs> here if that's what you've got to do wear a smegium t-shirt i'll do it like <laughs> sorry andy <laughs> no, not but right i think we'll we'll move on to our our saucy segment Shall we? Take it away, Jordan. Salad dressing! (laughs) 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 Right. (laughs) Sound effect in podcast history. Oh, it's my favourite jingle ever. (laughs) 
<laughs> I will never do that again. That's a one one take. One, one take. take. Ten a.m. take over a cup of tea and a biscuit. That was in his desk. One <laughs> day wonder. Who would have thought it would have actually ended up on it? <laughs> but right, first off, we have game of the week. Take us away, Junior. Okay, for this week, I'm going to go for a bit of a throwback. I'm going to say Last of Us Part 1. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic game. That's a tongue twister. Oh, easy for you to say. Say that five times. Oh, that is a tongue twister. Um, uh, so, <laughs> we've thrown you. We've thrown you. Thrown you. <laughs> you fucked me in total. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic. There you go. Thank you. Where, uh, no, generally, you just fucked me. I can't think of <laughs> Post apocalyptic, apo- apo- oh, 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 even oh, after that, <laughs> even, even I can't get it right. Jesus, right? I'll go from the top. It's set in a post apocalyptic <laughs> after a plague has swiped the globe. There we go, created and infected, which is zombie like creatures. You play as the main character, Joel, and you have the task of taking a young girl, Ellie, across America as she's immune and could hold the cure to the whole outbreak. That's that's one of heap of awards as well, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I can't don't know how like countless yeah, game it's, of it's, awards. But even even like the Last of Us Part Two, the newest one, two, is that yeah, like the most awarded game ever as well? In history, one of them, yeah. Or maybe not, maybe going ahead of any of your, no, your games, but. <laughs> Honestly, it's a fantastic game. I would recommend anybody who actually enjoys gaming to pick it up and play it. Because it's it's just is it just a one player? Uh, yeah, it's just a single player story. Yeah, it's like story. Yeah. yeah, story mode game. There is multiplayer in it, but oh, I think it's it's, it's the story. You know, it's the story it. that sets that game out past everything else. Like that that games to me, I I love games like that that actually have you know a bit of a story, and you just you might only just play it once, but if it's long enough and good enough. Yeah, it grasps you. Yeah, amazing fun. game. Yeah, I don't mind a bit of a story mode, but some of those games, the amount of hours you need to play. No, them. that's that's <laughs> like a well, Last of Us is like a set straight game. You have to follow. Yeah, have it's to not follow. open world. Open world. Ah, so it's yeah, like okay, it's just, okay. there's no exploring or grinding you have to do to actually finish the game. I always, yeah. uh, I always get caught out with those because it'll be like you'll be running around following this guy in story mode, and then all of a sudden I'm just standing there and I'm like, oh, it started. <laughs> 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 It's, it's, it's no FIFA or COD when there's, <laughs> there's a whistle and a guy screaming at you. It's just all awesome. Three, two, one. Go. I've got no idea how the game started. I'm just standing there like, where, where's the guy gone? Like, <laughs> stick, stick, stick oh, to Mario Kart. Now, okay. oh, oh, it's me. <laughs> stick to Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that'll move us on to movie or series of the week. And I think I'm, I'm going for two this week. I'm going for big two. So I'm going for big short, which is uh, about the housing market crash back in, Keith, you'll remind me. It was, I think it was 2008. 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, so it's, it's based on a true story. It came out in 2015, if I can remember, right? Mm. But the cast is frightening. Oh, big Christ, cast. Christian Bale, Brad Pitt, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling. And yeah. it, it's funny, it's not like... Like it won a heap of awards. I think it won an Oscar. It's not it's a hugely not, known movie. No, it's not a hugely known movie, but it's kind of about like as I said, it's the financial crash. But it kind of explains what's been going on with the GameStop. Yeah, no, the yeah, yeah, large games. Basically, just, what they, they basically did what the GameStop malarkey was trying to kind of push against. Yeah, so they they almost they done the bet opposite slightly. The market would 
fall and crash, which is essentially what a lot of the sort yeah, of the high Wall Street bankers yeah. were doing with like the companies that were maybe dying a slow death, like GameStop and things. And then all of a sudden, when everyone went, let's buy loads of GameStop, uh, their prices surged, which meant all the shorts that these guys were putting in were completely yeah. redundant. I mean, I think it's been in, in a lot of billions that's been oh, lost yeah. by hedge oh, funds. So much yeah. money. It's been a I've lot seen something. Of money. I've seen something about one of these hedge funds needing like a 40 odd billion bailout or something. That's nuts. Which is just insane. But yeah. that's what they get. <laughs> thing is, though, I mean, think of the amount of people for, that's for, probably now made an absolute pocket off of it that sit at a computer desk all oh, day yeah. and have to grind it out. I mean, there's guys have made, there's guys have, I've, I've, I kind of dabble on bits of Reddit and stuff. And I've, I actually follow the Wall Street Bets, who are, I think, one of the original people that kind of coined that, like, the kind of movement and stuff. And some of the people are posting in stuff like they've paid off their student loans and they've <laughs> yeah. paid off, like, and in fairness, Smart they took a bit of a gamble because they sometimes used their student loan to buy the shares. <laughs> uh, so if it didn't work, they'd have been a bit scuppered. But, uh, That's you know, some of them have paid off full student loans. Some of them have made millions. Uh, obviously, the guys that were in it very early days before this was even a movement, some of them have made millions and millions off of it. Uh, yeah. It's it's certainly been an interesting uh, ongoing for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, but if you've kind of cottoned on to that GameStop stuff, have a have a watch a big short. It'll kind of give you a little bit of an insight into what's kind of been happening. Plus, it's yeah. an awesome movie anyway. It is so. good. I mean, the way that some of the characters are played is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Typical Christian Bale getting like chubbier for his movies and, and skinnier. <laughs> and yeah, he's a fantastic yeah. actor. Yeah. yeah, he's unbelievable. But also, so my second my second movie of the week. It's it's was it twenty fifth anniversary this week. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it shaped our childhood. Oh, it's older than me. Happy, happy Gilmore. Yeah. What a film. Just I don't classic. I don't think we've been on a golf course and we've never at least tried the Happy Gilmore or a quote's been yeah. put out. <laughs> all in the hips. <laughs> all in the it's just a brilliant, just a brilliant film, hands down. It's, it's like, one of Adam classic. Sandler's best. Yeah, yeah 100%. definitely. It's up there. Yeah, it's... We could, we could only say too much about it. It's up there. It's definitely yeah. up there. So yeah, and, that's, and I, mean, that's I would imagine view. most people have seen it. If and if you haven't, what are you yeah. doing with your yeah. life? With your life, get on. But that's, it, get it so that's that's another part I was going to say. So Big Short is on Sky at the moment, and Happy Gilmer is on Netflix at the moment. Yeah, Netflix. So, yeah, because so you'll be able to catch them all in there. Yeah, there's your Saturday so Sunday viewing. Yeah. Exactly. So we're on to restaurant of the week. Ter her slim fat boy thin, the thinnest Thanks. fat boy on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> this, this pains me doing this bit just now because obviously everything's shut with the pandemic going on um but i'm gonna go with a place that i've ate at a couple of times um be cafe boheme in aberdeen um just a brilliant little rustic french restaurant that serves up traditional French food. Um, the decor as well in that place. Just minimalistic. Is it, is it like we're back in France? It's like yes. we're back in France. And it's a bit depressing oh. thinking about that because <laughs> this time last year we were in France. Was so it this time last year? Yeah. Coming yeah. up, yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh my word. But that's why I like yeah. it. It's like, obviously we try and get to France every year as much as we can. Um, and, and we, we go out it. once or twice a week and we love it. And, <laughs> Just it's just a cool little place, and everybody that works there is they're fantastic. You yeah. know, um, I, I can't fault honestly can't fault it. Does it sell um, frog legs? 
is on yeah. uh, Wimbledon like on, on the Nobre, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Snails as well. Escalgo. I think they're pretty Escalgo. sure they had snails on the menu last time. Um I've been there a few times. Portions aren't massive, but for that type of food that you're getting, it's Unreal. perfect. It's yeah. uh, mouth-wateringly good. Awesome. Can't, can't fault it at all. Definitely awesome. taking a trip there as soon as we can. Right, so that's our that's our salad dressings of the week, boys. And that is us closing out the show, the very first show. I, uh... Oh, happy day. <laughs> <laughs> it's been here and we've done it. But um, yeah, we hope you all enjoyed the show. We hope to hear you listening in next week and the week after that, and hopefully keep you can, grasped. Yeah, keep you grasped, and we can keep keep bringing the content. Be good. Be good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cheers, cheers, boys, and cheers everyone for listening. Thanks again. Thank guys. you for listening. See you later. Guys. and ladies. Bye. Bye.